thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go John chapter 13. We're talking about being disciples of Jesus here in this series. And so, hey, did you like Brandon last week? Didn't he do a great job? Okay, so... Here's what I picked up on. I picked up on that you talked back to Brandon more than you talked back to me. All right. So everybody just uptick it a little bit. All right. Just I'll, I'll try to be like Brandon. Just kidding. I won't be able to do that. But uh, I love that. I had so much fun uh, just, just enjoying him being here. And he loved you so much. And so I just want you to know from my heart, thank you, because I loved the way you treated him. I thought that was awesome. Uh, so you loved him. You clapped when he would say, because he does that. He does that. Oh, you're going to talk back? Okay. You know, and then everybody, okay. okay. And so uh, I just thought you handled him really well. So anyway, great job. Uh, John 13, here we go. Let me kind of give you this context here. This is a moment that is significant in John's life. And we're going to go later to 1 John. And what we'll find is that John is moved by this moment. Have you ever had a, a moment that moves you? Like it's a significant moment in your life, good or bad, where you look back and you go, uh, my life shifted in that moment. There was something that goes, that went deep. And when we read this idea, Jesus gives a phrase, and it's the phrase that I'm gonna highlight today, a phrase that I think marked John. And I think he was in a intense uh, like life-shifting moment at the Last Supper, and you see in his writings that he, he could not shake this idea that he heard straight from Jesus. So context, John's leading back, Last Supper, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and this final meal, John's close to him, he's the disciple that Jesus loves, and Jesus says a phrase that should mark our lives like it marked John's life. Jesus says a phrase where he identifies what it looks like to be a disciple, and it should be just as alive in 21 as it was in Jesus' day and in John as he writes. And my prayer is that even today, as we just take these few minutes and we meditate on this verse, this phrase, that there would be a supernatural encounter, I think, like John had. Like John had a moment where God incarnate, Jesus says it, and it hit him. And, you'll, and by the end of this, you'll, you'll believe me, it hit him hard. And my prayer is that it would hit you hard, that it would hit me hard like that, and that we would uh, walk out of here, not just, not just convicted, but supernaturally empowered to live differently. So a lot of Bible here. I'm going to read a lot uh, here in John chapter 13, and then I'll pray. Here we go. It says this. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Verse 21. 
And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. So if you're John, you're sitting next to him, and Jesus is troubled, it's significant, and testified, very truly, I tell you. So this isn't Jesus smiling. Jesus is moved. He's, he's troubled. And John's picking up on it. John sees it. John's giving us a window into the emotions of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, one of you. So there's a personal relationship that Jesus has with Judas, and Jesus is he's troubled in spirit, because of this one, one of you is going to betray me. And of course, verse 22, his disciples stared at one another at a loss. Of course, that accusation, that who on earth, they look at each other, stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to that disciple and said, ask him which one he means. So here's what Peter's doing. He's saying, hey, John, you're close to him. You're his friend. You ask. Verse 25, leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? So he's saying, let me know who's the one who would betray you. I don't know if you're like me, but um, in moments where I have felt betrayed, my emotions have been massively intensified. So if you're like me, I can remember moments um, where somebody that I expected to live up to their word intentionally did something different. Not accidentally, intentionally said one thing and did another, and it impacted my life. And it, it's almost like this mix of disbelief and sadness and, and like adrenaline almost where you, I don't know if you've experienced that. Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread. And when I have dipped it in the dish, then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So if you're Peter, you're, you're or sorry, if you're John, you're seeing, all right, it's, it's Judas. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. So Jesus is getting him out. He's saying, go. It's it's kind of intriguing because it's, it's almost like a, let's, let's move this thing forward. It's, it's already in your heart. Verse 28. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. So he's been the treasurer. The, the people that you give the money to are the people that you trust the most. How on earth could it possibly be Judas? As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And John, looking back to this night, says, and it was night. Of course, you and I know that this would be the last time that John would ever see Judas. Almost gives a portrayal of someone who then went out into the night, into the darkness. And when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will, give, and, and will glorify him at once. Verse 33, my children, here's, now this is another narrative entering in. I will be with you only a little longer. So if you're John, wait a minute, Judas, the treasurer, the one we trust, he betrayed. Jesus is leaving you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. So this is intriguing because Jesus has been the one that's been physically present. 
and they've left everything to follow him. And now he's getting more like, you're not going to be able to come with me. And it's in this context, the weightiness that we get this phrase that hits John as he's leaning against Jesus, as he's close, as Judas has walked out into the night, how within 24 hours of the 13 people at the table, only 11 will still be alive. One will go to a cross, the best perfect man at the table, and the betrayer will be dead, will kill himself. This is an epic moment. And that's the context where we get verse 34, where he says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. He says this a second time. And then verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, three times, if you love one another. It gets dramatic even more because now Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Leaning back, last supper, Judas is leaving to betray Jesus, saying, you won't follow me where I'm going. You can't, you can't come. My life, my life is changing. Judas betrayed Jesus leaving. Peter's going to disown. Peter's the one, the follower. Who am I? What's the story? And right in the middle of that dramatic Last Supper moment is where we get this phrase from Jesus. By this, everyone will know. By this, here's a distinctive, here's a mark of a disciple that lets the world know that you're my disciple if you love one another. Father, we love you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that in these precious minutes, you would help us to love one another. Holy Spirit, would you pour out the love of God into our hearts that we wouldn't be casually kind like good civilian people, but that we would demonstrate Christian love that's supernatural. Lord, we want to, in our generation, in our city, be authentic disciples. Help us live it, see it, and know it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one of the most significant betrayals in my life, I heard my friend tell me that the story I was driving on the freeway and it was so severe and it was so shocking. I pulled over on the side of the road off the freeway onto the shoulder because I just couldn't mentally grasp all the ways, all the ramifications. And, and I don't know if you've been in a moment like that, but sometimes you start to go backwards and you start to identify if, if this person was betraying me and now I find out that it's actually true. You're, you're almost trying to connect the historical dots where you go back and look at, oh, and you feel the sadness and you feel the pain. And I'm just looking at this story. I don't know if you could identify. Maybe you could think back. There was an expectation. And I'm not just talking about somebody that let you down. I'm talking about someone who bold-faced looked at you and said, this is the way it is, or this is what I will do, or this is true. And then they were intentionally living something else. But there's this, it, it, it's a, it's a game-changing moment. It's a moment, and this is, the, this is the moment that John is navigating as Judas the betrayer, Jesus the Savior, Peter who would disown, John looking at a future, he's trying to figure out what's happening, 
And it's in that context that we get this love one another as I've loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And when we read 1 John, so 60 years after the Last Supper moment, John can't get over that sentence. Have you ever been around someone who just one idea oozes from them? That's John with love one another. I'm going to prove it to you. I've had it in pastors that I have sat under before. My first pastor, uh, he... Sermon after sermon, you would hear this idea. Jesus is Lord. I mean, he, it didn't matter. We could be in the minor prophets. We could be in the gospels. We could be revelation. We could be in epistles. I mean, he's going to take it back to let's talk about surrender and let's talk about the Lordship of Jesus because boom. And when he would tell the story about how as he sat in his office and read the gospels and he looked at who Jesus was and read in the garden about how Jesus was really going to the cross and he really is God and he really is Lord. And, and he would go, he would go resurrection. He would, I mean, he would talk about the, and man, he was moved about Jesus is Lord. And you can all day long, you can talk about all the different things that you like and you, but let me tell you at the end of the day, there is one, he is Lord. He is King. He is God. And man, he, man, I can preach some of those sermons. You hear him a lot. I, I remember uh, my second pastor. He had uh, this conviction to try to live in the present, faithful and steady, no matter the circumstance. So he said over and over again, stay steady. Stay the course. Sounds like the Patriot. Stay steady. And man, you would hear that idea. He would, he would bring it into talking about farmers and he would talk about harvest and different season. But his, I mean, you could feel that he would bring a lot of these messages back to stay the course, stay steady, don't quit. And then my third pastor, I mean, you would hear all the time his storyline about how when he was a young adult, he'd grown up in the church. It was just nothing alive inside of him until he started to go on Saturdays to, to serve a certain neighborhood. He got connected to those who didn't have food and who those whose finances were broken. And he became this massive advocate, James 127, the poor, the orphan, the widow. And it doesn't matter like what sermon, it's going to go back to that. In fact, I remember one time where I preached uh, a text that when I read it, this is exactly how I saw it. And then he came back and he said, I'm going to preach that same text. And he took that same text and he said, he brought up poor orphan, orphan widow. My intent comes back to the father loves me. This is our homecoming. And he goes back to the poor. Or my point being, these moments, these stories where what's inside comes out. And that's what happens with John in this moment where he's seated next to Jesus and it's everything, everything is changing. Now we know that John was really close to Jesus and this wouldn't be the last thing that he would say, that Jesus would say to John. Jesus even spoke to John from the cross. But here, when you read 1 John, 1 John is full of this love one another. Jesus looks at them and he says, by this all men will know you're my disciples. If you love one another, I want supernatural love. I want you to see what's in me and love each other like you've seen me love you. The way that you've seen me take care of you, the way that you've seen me even love others, I want you to love. If you can look at me, I've been physically present and you've seen the way that I love. Now love like that. And you read 1 John and you can feel it. Look at this, 1 John 2, 9. Here's 60 years after the Last Supper and John's still talking about loving one another. He's going, I'm taking the marching orders. I'm taking the phrases that I heard from Jesus at that Last Supper. Oh, it's right after Judas left. Man, it was, he, Peter was gonna disown him that very night. 
I mean, we were going to have Jesus arrested. It was, ah, oh, you talk about a, a moment that, that, was, that was changing. My world got turned upside down, but Jesus gave us this phrase, love one another. As I've loved you, love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. If you love one another, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple. So, so all this time, guys, people can tell that you're my disciple because you left your nets to follow me. You left your tax collecting booth to follow me. You've been walking behind me. We talked in week one about the dust of the rabbi. You've been close to me. We've been doing life together and everybody can tell, but I'm about to leave and where I'm, where I'm going to go, you can't follow me right now, but they will still be able to identify that you're my disciple by how you love one another. The distinguishing mark is that you love one another. So he says this, 1 John 2, 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but, but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. 1 John 3, 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Strong statement. But if you're John, 1 John 3, 10 is identifying a moment where you saw children of God and children of the devil. You watched it. You saw a disciple, someone that you trusted, betray. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Whew. First John three fourteen. He says this, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Oh no, no, we know because, because we go through the programming of the church because we've got K-love in our cars, because we let vegetables disciple our children. No, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. First John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another for love. And here's the phrase. This is, this is the good news. This is where this is going. For love comes from God. That's the good news right there. Just encouraging you. That's where we're going. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not, and whoever does not love does not know God. That's the hard news. What? Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I'm telling you, I mean, bursting from his heart is John with this love one another with the love of God. Why? Well, pretty powerful moment where he's seated next to Jesus. Pretty powerful moment when Jesus says it. And I think about you and me. What would it look like if, if we experienced, knew, looked at the love of God in such a way that people could see us loving one another in a way that's attractive? So that the way that the church loves each other is like a billboard where they just look and go, it's so attractive. First Peter 2.17 says, love the brotherhood. That, and that's Peter saying, love the church, love each other. I remember um, I didn't pledge when I was a student at the University of Oklahoma, but I did just take a day to get the free burgers and go down through that line and... Um, I just remember all the different fraternities where there's lots, it's more complex than this, but, but one of the ideas was, hey, 
join this brotherhood. We, 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 we really care about each other. No, join this brotherhood. We really, really care about each other. No, join this brotherhood. We really, really care about each other. No, this one's different. We care about each other. Because that core idea, all of us are wanting to experience authentic love. And it's the role, the vision, the hope, and the empowerment of God through his church to actually be a real brotherhood. And everything else pales in comparison. And so it could be that the love of God in and through us differentiates our lives to where people look outside and go, they really love each other. They care for each other. The way that they do life together, the way that that person's crisis is that person's crisis, the way that they pray for each other, the way that they intentionally forego the legitimate American pleasures in order to show Christ-like love on their own dime and their own time because they actually love one another. It's God at work. And so Jesus says this in this text. He says, this is, the, this is, this is a mark I want you to get. This is how the world will know. This is, this is how they'll identify. It's the, the way you love each other. And so Jesus says, love each other as I've loved you. So sometimes it's easy to take that and go, okay, I'm going to look at the way that Jesus loved the leper. I'm going to look at the way that Jesus loved people um, and think, okay, I'm going to just copy. And I'm all for copy. Like, let's copy. Let's study the gospels. Let's, 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 that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, I, I've, I've, sh- I've showed you. I mean, this is it. But the way that we will love one another is not by gritting our teeth memorizing ways and trying hard. The way that you will actually love one another is if you receive love. So if you receive, experience, know, encounter God's love poured out to you, then you can pour out his love to others. And that is the secret. Like that, and most people don't do it. Most people just move forward and I'm going to try to be a good person. Good luck. Here's the vision. If you want to love more, receive more. You want to fulfill what Jesus told his disciples to do. It's know the love of God. Look at this. Uh, If you read out of this, this whole 1 John 4 text that we just read, out of the passion paraphrase. I love the language. Those who are loved by God, so they know they're loved by God. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. That's it. I like that word pour. I'm loved by God, so that enables me to pour love out for others, which that's the Romans 5.5. That's the way that Paul says it. He says, the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. Right? So the whole, it's a God encounter. It's vertical before it's ever horizontal. If I just live horizontal, you're going to burn out. You don't have supernatural strength. The only way that you can love like Jesus loves is if you have supernatural love. So in all you're getting, get that. Holy Spirit, pour out your love into my heart. Holy Spirit, I on my own will become cynical, bitter, and easily annoyed. And everybody gonna bug me. And I'm gonna tell them on my Insta stories about, does this person bug you? Me too. Does this person bug you? Me too. Does this person bug you? Me too. And pretty soon I realize I'm just a selfish person. I wanna get to where Jesus cared for the people that I belittle. 
the very people that I pass by and say, get it together, are the kind of people that Jesus supernaturally stopped and cared for and loved. And I want to have that begin and start with the house of God. I want to love my church. We want to love Big C, the whole church. And specifically today, I want to invite us to think about practical application with our church. Just like right here, right now, how you can demonstrate supernatural love. So the answer is, I get filled. God, pour out your love into my heart, Romans 5. I get filled. Love comes from God. It's from you. I, on my own, will be anything but love. I will live for me. We all will. Everyone does. But I get it, and it enables me to then, now I'm going to pour out. And once I've poured out, I go get filled again, and then I pour out, and then I get filled again, and then I pour out. So God, pour it into me, and I'll pour it out to others. And that cycle, that's the, the, the cycle. And when, you, when you've experienced that, and part of your, your rhythm is, God, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to experience it. It's like that moment. Many of us could give the moment where Jesus saved us, where we said, I experienced mercy. I experienced the love of God, and it changed me. Grace, mercy, love. My mom tells a story about how when she was eight years old, uh, she was uh, growing up, not a lot of finance, and threw a golf ball through a window, and she thought that her dad was going to be enraged. So she was afraid. And then my grandfather, um, they got in the car, left the people's house that she had thrown the ball and broke the window, and he put his hand on her leg. She's eight years old and looked at her and said, don't worry about it, honey. We'll take care of it. It's going to be all right. And for her, it's like a moment. When she talks about God's love, that's the story that she tells. To us, we go, oh, that's cute. To her, she goes, oh. Every one of us could give stories where when we experienced love, it softened our heart. When, you, when a part of your rhythm is, I've received so much, but God, you, you have loved me when I don't deserve it then it enables us to pour out Christ's love towards the annoying people in your small group. <laughs> to pour out love to the people that are the extra grace we're required, EGRs, people. <laughs> Those people that I tend to say, if they were intellectually competent, they would understand. And I am, so therefore I'm annoyed. Hold on. Here's what Christian love looks like. Pour out your love into my heart that I might show love, compassion, the love of God to them. And that is attractive. That's everybody walking down Fraternity Row going, well, I want that. That's supernatural love. The dream is not that you would try harder, it's that you would receive more. If you'll receive more, you'll love more. If you'll receive more and go get it, you'll watch yourself slowly transform. A couple prayers. I'm going to give you three prayers uh, as you pray this. I'm going to invite you just to make this a part of your, as you spend time with God each day. First is this, God, increase my love for my radiant family. Just increase my love. Or, or you could say, intensify my love. Um, I like the story of Howard Loomis, who was a boy who had polio and was dropped off by his mother at an orphan home, 1918. And he started to have other orphans in the orphanage that would take care of him as he couldn't walk very well. And one man came as one of the boys was carrying 
this boy who had polio up the stairs and looked like he was struggling. So here's Howard Loomis. He's got polio. He's being taken up the stairs by one of his, one of the boys, the, one of the other orphans in the orphanage. And this man says, is he heavy? Famous response that we all know. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Here's what he's saying. Because of the relationship that exists, I'm not looking at the cost to me. I'm looking at the relationship. So in Christian community, when we are brothers, love the brotherhood, it's not about what it costs me. It's about the relationship means so much. I'm, my mind is focused on the relationship, not the cost. Carrying up the stairs is not where my attention is. He ain't heavy. Why? Because the relational closeness exists. He's my brother. So if you can start to just say, God, let me love like you love. Increase or intensify my love. Second idea is this. God, diversify my love. Diversify. John Wesley said this. I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. This phrase, the whole church for my fellowship. I want to highlight Wesley there. More of that. God, do, do that in me. So like for me, for example, it's, it's really easy for me to be friends with Skylar and Nathan. I mean, we're all, both, we're all three extremely athletic and uh, we got a lot in common, right? Real easy. It's harder, it's harder when it's different, different life stages, different desires. But if you could begin to think about, okay, God, my, my love circle exists right here. I, I got these amount of people, and God, help me intentionally diversify it. So it's not just, it's really easy to love the people that help you accomplish your agenda. But Christ-like love comes at a supernatural love given by God where you're doing it because of Christ. It's Christ. It's not necessarily that they, they make me feel good. They make me look good. They help me make more money. They, they help me. Uh, I, I enjoy them even. It's, 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 I want, God, I, I want, I'm so into this vertical relationship. This is, this is what I live for. This is my life. And God, the world will know that I'm a disciple based upon my love. So it, Increase my love, but God diversify. Help, and sometimes just by diversifying, it helps you recognize how much is really self-seeking versus how much is really Christ-like supernatural love flowing from God through you to others. So I want to diversify my love, God. And then last one is just expand my love, just straight up. I'm not talking about loving people like it's just um, kind of theoretical, but in order to love them, you got to know them. Um, and what Jesus always did was Jesus, uh, Jesus would enter into their world. So he would, whether it was, you know, a, a hungry crowd or a leper or an adulterer or a blind man 
or a crippled man. He'd enter into their world. Then he'd identify their need. And then he'd meet it. So anytime that you can just, meaning, okay, he, he, even, he even looked at people where he could see what was wrong and he'd say, what do you want me to do for you? Right? Like he, it was almost as if he wanted them to acknowledge what they needed and wanted. So every time that with difference makers or someone in your small group or dream team or at church or on a Sunday, you're able to just, okay, I'm going to enter into their world. I don't feel like it. And I can use a personality reason to justify why I just want to go and not talk to people, not pray, not give, not love, not serve. I just, it's just me. Oh, oh, that's the problem. We're trying to do less of me and more of you. So Jesus, open up my heart. Help me enter into somebody else's journey. Identify what they need and then come down. And maybe it's just, it's just one at a time. Lord, what can we do? Give me, a, give me your thoughts. Give me your ways. How can I meet that need? What? And it, sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's prayer. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's caring. One of the things that has caused Renata and I to just love this church so much is how many of you have done this for us? Where we just go, oh. Like sometimes, you know, we'll just be talking. We'll say, man, we sure love Radiant. But it's not the, when you start talking about, um, it's people. It's not ideas. It's these people that have loved us so well. And, and that's supernatural. That's God at work. That's the evidence of God, God at work among us. I was thinking about um, when I was a kid. Uh, in, in my family context, um, I would go spend the night at my friend's house quite frequently, which means I have so many stories. Um, but one of my friends, his name was Andy, and his mom's name was Rita. And um, I had another friend, his mom's name was Lisa. And, um, and I just remember going over to my friend's house, his mom was Lisa, and um, she was just like every other American. She was really into, she would go to movies by herself that she really loved. She was really into her cat. Um, we talk about the cat a lot. Um, she had a pool. She loved the pool. We talked a lot about the pool. We talked about the chlorine levels. Um, we just did. That was just, I mean, that was my conversation. And I spent the night at her house a lot. And um, to my memory, I mostly remember, uh, we talked about, obviously, her son and I went to school together, so we had a little bit of, but her life was just um, the cat. And other than, other than being a mom, I don't remember any real conversations about her husband. A couple little ones about her son, but mostly it was her cat and movies and the pool. And that was, that was what she loved. So I even learned a lot about movies and cats and swimming pools because that's what we talk about. Um, I would stay over at Andy's house. Andy's mom's name was Rita. And Rita was living on a different planet. Rita was also the one who taught me the book of Exodus when I was a kid. And every Wednesday night, I learned about all things Exodus. 
Rita was also the one that, um, she was the, uh, the president of the mission board at our church. So she, I have this memory of her setting up huge events that was all about touching the nations. She cared about every tongue, tribe, and nation hearing the gospel. Um, she was also the one that um, helped my mom a lot, as my mom would do um, different board dinners. And she was always in the kitchen. Um, she was also the one that she would come and she would pick us up, uh, little kids, and she would take us swimming so that my parents, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Like she, my parents could get away. And, um, she, she was also, I, I just remember being at their house and she would talk to me. Uh, she made me feel like a million bucks. You know, I'm probably eight, eight nine years old. And um, I have I, like, when I think about all those circles, women's ministry circle, take care of the snot nose, pastor's kids, you know, love the, love the unreached by raising funds, try to get the whole church to go. She was the one that served and served and loved and had this vibrant. And I, I, to my memory, I, I can't, I can't remember um, a moment that, that I didn't just see her pouring out her life for the people of our church, for the people that she never met around the world. It's who she was. And so I think, I think for me, I think that looks like radical Christianity in our generation. It's different for different people in different ways. But for me, I had a real picture of... Um, I'm just living for me, kind of like Lisa. My dream is that, <laughs> it sounds like a hashtag, be a Rita, you know? Just versus the juxtapose of somebody who's just, I've received for so much from God. And I go back to that well, and he pours his love into me. And then I go pour my life out for others, the love of God. And then I come back, and I get more, and I go back, and I pour it out. And I just think that the apostle of love, John, he gets a moment to talk about how to follow Jesus. Here he is, the one who is so close to him. And what oozes from John is love one another. Love one another. Jesus loved us. Here's how you know. Here's a distinguishing mark. Jesus said it this way. Let me just say, if you love one another, you got a light. If you don't love one another, it's dark. It's, 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 a, it's an, an, an evidence of that you're part of the redeemed. It's an evidence that you are, as Jesus said, a disciple of his. Just bow your heads with me and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to mark us today. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to pour out the love of God into your heart? your love to others. Less of me, more of you. Through me. To the neighbors. To the church. To the small group. To my children. To my spouse.
more of you. Help me to love like you love. Not mocking that Christian ethic, living it, personifying it. Not cynical, humble. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that we would love well. We ask that we would pour out our lives loving people, loving each other. I pray, Lord God, that a distinctive of the disciples at Radiant Church would be that they love one another. Easy to preach, really hard to live. Easy to put on paper, really hard to live out. But may it be true of us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a supernatural work. And I pray that the way that this was alive in the teaching of Jesus, alive in the teaching of John, and the word of God, which is alive and active, let it be alive in our present tense church right here, right now. Supernatural love. Maybe today, this is the good news of the gospel, that there was one who loved you first. There was one who has mercy. And today, you want to respond the one who loved you first. God loves you right now. No matter what your story might be, the same God that looked at the broken people in the day of Jesus and loved them is the God who loves you right now. And he sees the broken scenario, the hurt, the bitterness, the pain, and he still wants you. He loves you. And maybe today, as we sing that song, this is my homecoming, that song is the story of a son who came home to a father that loves. It's the story of the father that loved first, and the son says, I'm coming home. And today, maybe some of you go, I wanna come home. I wanna do life with God, not on my own. He wants you. Here's how you begin that journey. It's not the only thing you say to God, but it's how you get started. Just say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I give you my life. Make me a new person. I surrender. I give you everything. Give me new life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.